This is Cape Talk. Now, as I mentioned last week, we are shifting up the format of our food feature a little bit going forward. So we're going to be rotating through a variety of chefs and cookbook authors and food truck owners and food bloggers every month just to help keep us on the pulse of everything delicious in our city. So the New Look Restaurant Guide will be back from next Monday once the brain competition is over with some new uh, contributors added into the mix as well. More on that on Monday. For today, though, it's a pleasure to welcome our first foodie blogger to the studio and a blog that has had me drooling for years already called Drizzle and Dip. In fact, I think it's, dare I say, more than a decade. Sam Linsell, welcome to the studio. Thanks, Papa. Yes, it's um, actually 13 years old now. That long already, my gosh. So Sam, for those who have not discovered her work, is a professional food stylist and food photographer, a recipe developer. She's published two of her own cookbooks as well. And her blog is, as I've just mentioned, called Drizzle and Dip. Sam, 13 years ago, you would, I would imagine, have been one of the very first to get involved in the blogging space then. Yes, I wasn't the absolute first in South Africa, but I would say I was sort of first of the second wave. Um, so, But I've been at it for solidly for 13 years. So in, in a digital sense, I'm kind of like the granny of food blogging. <laughs> I love the fact that somebody as young as you calls herself <laughs> the granny of anything. But how did you end up doing this? I mean, how does one actually become a, a food stylist and photographer as you do? Yes, well, I think actually the photography came out of being um, from the blog but okay. I started out as a food stylist because I worked in advertising and basically it's the hair and makeup for food yep. you make the food look beautiful and I was working in an advertising commercial um area yep. and then I started my blog as a passion project mainly to share recipes back in the day it was obviously just a hobby there yep. was no such thing as a professional blog and then through that I realized that I needed to make take very good photographs in order for the blog to do well so I got myself a camera and I taught myself how to become a food photographer so you really self-taught in all of this but I mean the, the love of food obviously was there to start with uh, who, who was the initial inspiration I think my family and my grandmother and my yep. parents just there's always been a, a big passion around food within the family and I just have had that throughout my life always wanted to be cooking eating mainly (laughs) Um, I think that I I actually love to cook mainly because I love to eat specific things and I I love everything to do with food Um, there's so many aspects to it that I love from the sharing Mm. to the creativity to just the absolute pure joy of making food for other people now, the way we look at food and the way we're cooking food in our own homes is, I think, shifting quite a lot. And part of that is to do with having been forced to go it alone during those weeks, weeks and months of lockdown. Part of it is to do with the influence of social media. And increasingly, part of it is to do with the cost of buying food at the moment. Sam, I mean, how do you see those factors influencing the way we eat these days? Absolutely. I mean, no one could have predicted COVID and what mm. that impact would have had on home cooking. And this, the sort of interest and desire in people to be able to cook foods from different cultures. The world has opened up. TikTok yeah. is another thing, as you say, social media. That's sort of taken food to a whole different level. That was unexpected. Um, certainly Gen Z now being exposed to food from all over the world and being wanting to wanting to cook food and be exposed to eating food from so many different cultures. It sort of made the world a bit smaller, more exciting, mm. and people are demanding to eat better and more interesting food in general. So, And, of course, um, the cost of living issues are, are certainly something that going forward I think is going to be with us for a while. Yeah. And looking at budget-friendly meals. And creating delicious foods, but bearing in mind that we want to reduce waste and obviously make things lovely and delicious too. Oh, hitting so many of the tick boxes there of things that, that, that we need to be focused on. Obviously, the nutritional value, keeping it delicious, keeping it affordable, becoming an increasing challenge. Although, having said that, I mean, there are ways to manage that. What advice would you share to somebody who really is having to be careful with their food budget about how to 
keep things under control? I would say that bulk cooking or meal prep is definitely one of the, the a really good ways. So you can buy, you know, larger quantities of food from, you know, bigger, bigger quantities. You're going to save mm-hmm. quite a lot. And then you batch cook and then freeze if you can. And that way you are going to eliminate waste because you're yep. going to be making a larger uh, amount. Also thinking ahead of what you're going to buy, but more carefully instead of randomly going to the shop and mm. picking stuff off the shelves, which I tend to do all the time, <laughs> is to be very considered about what you're going to make. Plan ahead on a Sunday, decide your meals up front, and then go and specifically buy exactly what you need for that week and then prep accordingly. Mm. And then that way you keep things, you know, pretty neat and tidy. I, I've gotten into the habit of doing that since COVID. And mm. I started doing it because of, you know, only wanting to go to the shops mm. once a week. But I found that it works in terms of managing budget, managing waste. It also means you can get the whole family involved in the planning. Yes. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's a strategy we've stu- stuck with. I have to be honest. Now I'm laughing at the, the reference to the bulk cooking and bulk supplies because I was the one telling listeners last week that there were three and a half kilogram jars of Hellman's mayonnaise still yes. available on some websites. You've actually got a, 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 a version of Hellman's, a recipe yes. up on your blog at so the moment. I'm, I'm mad about Hellman's and yeah. was absolutely devastated when I heard the news. So, and so the way I reacted to that was to try and you know, create a solution. Yep. So I literally jumped into my kitchen on the Sunday morning and started Googling all the Hellman's copycat recipes that I yep. could find. And I started whisking it up and read the label, scrutinized that, found a way to try and make a very easy stick blender recipe using one cup. There are a few little tricks that you have to take into consideration with regard to the type of stick blender. Okay. But once you have that sorted, you can actually make mayonnaise that tastes very similar to Hellman's, if not better than Hellman's, within sure. three minutes. That's impressive because I think the one thing that's put a lot of people off trying to make their own is that that image of the chef adding drop Mm. by drop of oil and hand whisking. But of course, if you use a a blend, a stick blender, you you eliminate a lot of that. Yes, exactly. And I put a very detailed, you know, tutorial essentially on my website. Okay. It's two and a half thousand words. So it takes (laughs) you through every aspect that you need to know. And yeah, so hopefully we won't be able to, we won't be mourning the loss of Hellman's too much. I'm quickly checking the comments to see if anybody's tried it out yet and said whether it takes the same. Um, yup, somebody's comment. Jackie's saying, very easy to make and a lovely thick consistency. I will definitely make it again. Um, another person, another Sam jumping in saying, I will add a little bit more mustard personally, because this is the beautiful thing. You can play with it to your own yes. taste preference. In actual fact, Hellman's doesn't put mustard in their really? formula at all, but I do like to add mustard to mayonnaise in general. Yeah. It just gives it a bit more French flavor. So um. there we go. If you are one of those in mourning for the loss of Hellman's Mayo, check out drizzleanddip.com for a good copycat recipe and let us know how it works out. Great question coming in on our WhatsApp line, Sam. Somebody asking, what happens to the food after you've done a photo shoot? So in terms of, I only do photo shoots for for my website now yeah. and I create recipes that are no more than more than for sort of four to six people, okay. but many of my recipes are for two. So I tend to eat a lot, freeze a lot, or give away to friends, neighbors, or yeah. anyone around me. But um, I, I really am very anti-food waste, so I make sure that all the food is consumed. Okay, so nothing going in the bin. I don't no, know. I mean, I'm you read these these terrible stories of how the advertising industry shoots food to make it yes. look appealing for the the magazine spreads by spraying on motor oil and all that kind yes, of thing. So, Have you seen that? So when I was working advertising, yeah. I did a hundred TVCs in my in my day, and there was a lot. Once you've you've fiddled with the food too much and puts it's not no longer edible, oh, and then yeah. you have to dispose of it, unfortunately. But any res, any food that was still edible, we would go out of our way to find homeless shelters 
and okay. take take it there. So it, it was something that I specifically did go out of my way to to sort. That's good to hear. Just for those um, who've joined us late to the conversation, Sam Linsell is with me in studio. She is the blogger behind Drizzle and Dip. You'll find it on drizzleanddip.com. And uh, she is a really, really talented food stylist who has learned to become a very talented food photographer as a result of the work that she shares on her blog. Um, you mentioned TikTok. Now, that's okay. It's it's one of the platforms that I have to confess I haven't mastered yet. Mm. And, I mean, uh, in my head, I, I, I think of how do you communicate a recipe in the short space of time that TikTok generally assigns to to a video. Yeah, so unfortunately you have to sort of take out all the, the what you know and what you'd like to do, do it slowly and beautifully. And you just have to do a very fast-paced um, quickly edited video and it's just the way it is that's the only way they really enjoy it or and you also have to be in camera they TikTok yeah. people um, viewers do want to see people they don't want to just have recipes so I think Instagram yeah. is still you can get away with just doing food but TikTok you know you've got to be very quick they're very yeah. very judgmental <laughs> uh, lots of comments they're quite harsh I haven't quite yeah. mastered it I've, I'm on TikTok yep. and I have one recipe that went over 100,000 but gosh. for the rest I'm sort of struggling along but maybe I, you know maybe I'll eventually get there who knows which <laughs> recipe went over 100,000 views I did a pink uh, pink swill meringue Ooh. recipe which is actually weirdly a little bit longer than the others but it, yeah. it did particularly well so maybe who knows There's, you know those algorithms are very, very intriguing and they're constantly a little bit of an anomaly and a bit of a a strange thing for us to master. We, we, we feel the same in the building. We've always been mm. like, why, why did that work rather than mm. this? And, you know, what, what yes. makes that appeal? Was it to do with the color of the jersey you were wearing or the, you know, the angle of the microphone? Who knows? We haven't worked it out yet. If we do find out, we'll let you know. Yes. Before we let you go, Sam, somebody asking, going back to your homemade, um, Hellman's, what is the shelf life of a homemade mayonnaise? That for me is the biggest downside of making it yourself is the comment. Yes, absolutely. That is, I would say they recommend two weeks, but I tend to keep it up to a month. Okay, and in the fridge would that yes, be? in the yeah? fridge. Okay. So basically it's the same length of time that an egg will be viable okay. and you know you can keep an egg for two to four weeks. Uh, the, the fresher the egg the better. Okay, so the fresher the egg, the better the quality mayonnaise yes. to start with. And the longer then, the shelf life. Okay. Now, here's somebody who sings from your shim sheet saying, I love cooking, but I cannot stand waste or even throwing organic waste in the bin. So I've recently invested in a kitchen composter, which is absolutely fantastic and converts my kitchen waste for use in the garden. Is that something you do as well? Yes, I have a Bokashi bin, yep. which I, I collect, and that I, I can actually deposit the waste from that in, at the Ranezak farm. Oh, they fantastic. Have a, they yeah. have a collection as well. So that I do do that. Sam, before we let you go, if there is one recipe on your site right now that you'd like our listeners to go and check out, either because it's exciting or because it's a good reflection of your style of cooking or just because it's so damn delicious we should be trying it, what would it be? Well, in terms of being South African, I'd say my grandmother Betty's crunchy recipe. Yeah. It's one of the oldest recipes on my site, so the photography is not the absolute best, but it's just the best crunchy recipe you'll ever ever make it's mm. the only one you'll ever need and i think <laughs> as south africans we we do need to have that ultimate best crunchy recipe it's very easy and anyone can make it and you can never go wrong with a good crunchy sam linsell of drizzle and diff great to have you with us in the studio today and i hope you're going to get a whole lot new uh, lot more cape talk readers coming yes, your way thank you so uh, much and you can find me at drizzle and dip at on drizzle instagram. and dip on instagram and check out the website drizzleanddip.com